It is our maiden voyage musketeer made the official podcast of the Sioux City Musketeers. Tanner Hoops alongside Travis Morgan. We are delighted to have you along for the first of what should be a really fun installment to the Musketeer organization. It's different than any other coaches show, Travis. You know, Curtis Anderson does a great job with that on Fox Sports Radio 620 KMS here in Sioux City. That's on uh, Tuesday nights at five, by the way. Check it out. Shameless plug, by the way. <laughs> for our friend Curtis. Yeah. Um, but this is going to be different because for 30 minutes every week, we're going to take a walk down memory lane. Curtis is going to get you caught up on what's going on, what you need to know right now in terms of current events with the Musketeers. We are going to reminisce. We're going to unlock some old memories and get some guests on here, some friends of the organization that maybe we haven't chatted with in a long time and do some catching up. Open the vault, if you will, you know, to, to the, the history of what Musketeer Hockey uh, has produced. Find out where these guys are now, what they're doing with their lives, and uh, get you caught up with those names of the past that everybody remembers skating in the auditorium or the Tyson Event Center. Uh, we're going to break out some great guests here over the course of this thing and really go down memory lane. It's going to be fun. And we're setting the bar high with our first show Absolutely. because uh, yeah. we are excited to welcome in our inaugural guest to Musketeer Made 2002 Clark Cup champion. And after all this time, still a fan favorite here in Sioux City, Art Feminella, kind enough to lend us his time. What's up, Art? How you doing, guys? Thanks a lot for asking me to be on. I appreciate it. Oh, we, we appreciate you being, uh, being willing to take the time. Anytime. Listen, it was uh, some of the best years uh, of my life. And uh, to be able to reflect on them uh, anytime is a, is a fun time for me. So, so Art, what are you doing now? Tell us about where you are and uh, what's been going on in your life. Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. After I, uh, I left Sioux City, I went to uh, University of Vermont for four years. And uh, I went after I had a lot of injuries. Had a lot of bad injuries. I uh, I got skated over on my wrist and uh, cut every bone uh, or cut every cut everything but my bone. Uh, had to rehab like my whole hand. I had my throat uh, cut by a skate. I had back surgery, shoulder surgery, wrist surgery, which was so different uh, than my career in Sioux City because I was hardly ever hurt and uh, hardly ever missed a game. So it was uh, it was tough going to college and having to go through all that. It's uh, very different being an injured player. Uh, but then after that, I, I, I went and uh, I rehabbed fully, went back, played in the minors for uh, just, just a short, short time. Uh, actually, my, my, uh, my team had folded in Augusta. Uh, these minor league teams, it's, it's, it's real interesting what, what happens with some of these guys sometimes. But uh, anyway, after that, I, I kind of decided it was, it was my time to go. And uh, I just started working at my father's business just you know, for a temporary time just to make ends meet while I just, you know, just tried to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I never really thought about that that much. I mean, you know, we, you always think about the, your career and where you're going to go and your focus is like so tunnel vision when you, when you get out and you have all these options, it's really tough to, you know, figure out what you're going to do. So uh, I started out there for maybe six months or so. And now this is, uh, this is over 10 years later. Um, I've, uh, with my partner and brother-in-law, uh, we bought out my father and, uh, we own the business now and, and we operate it day to day. He, uh, actually still works with us and, uh, does around, you know, three, three days a week. Um, but you know, the normal day to day is with us. We do uh, historic window restoration and 
churches, synagogues, estates. Uh, we do a lot of work at Princeton University, Yale University. Um, but we're also looking at projects all over the place. I mean, we're doing a big project right now in Detroit, uh, one of the old buildings that used to be owned by Chrysler, um, and doing a, a fantastic uh, stained glass dome in there. So uh, really cool, really different. Uh, it's different um, going from a life of throwing people into glass uh, to you know, handling it with care and restoring it and, and uh, you know, <laughs> handling pieces of artwork. So it's, it's a little different. Uh, real quickly, let, let, let's go back about a minute. You had somebody skate over your wrist and you were cut in the neck by a skate too. Like when you think of the, the two worst places to get cut by a skate, you had it both. I mean, were you afraid yeah. to die in either, either of those situations? Well, just real quick, I'll run through them with you. I was, I was playing at Brown University on the road and uh, actually, I was really lucky because of a great hospital there. I had made a hit on the boards. We fell down. There was a scramble. The puck shot out toward my defensive side. He went from point A to point B, just happened to be over the, you know, like the one-inch gap between your glove and your elbow pad. And he stepped on me, and I, I had no idea what was going on. My glove had come halfway off. And I, the play had gone back, and I still couldn't get my glove on. And I was moving my fingers to get my glove on, but my fingers weren't moving. And so I pulled back my jersey to see what was going on, and just, just went about 20 feet every with every heartbeat. It would go about 20 feet. I grabbed my uh, arm, put it over my head, and uh, went straight to the bench. Puck had gone down the other way. We were actually getting killed. So they had just scored. And so there were, everybody's looking down there. I'm like, guys, you know, I've got a, I told the trainer down, I've got a real problem. He comes over the washcloth and he's like, all right, let me, let me take a look at it. I was like, all right. And I let him have it. He's like, Geez. and he grabs the thing. And, he, you know, we go off and it was just like, uh, I, 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 you know, I ran into, uh, I ran into a, a guy that was playing on Brown University. I have, I have a bunch of uh, players on the Harvard hockey team uh, from Team USA. And, uh, we, I was there for a, uh, a charity softball game with a bunch of the Harvard guys and a bunch of the Brown guys. And he told me that after I had gotten hurt at that game, he said the whole temperature of the game just changed. It was just, it was very, uh, it was very weird. It took him about a half hour to clean all the blood off the ice. It was, it was very scary. Um, the other time well, it was just in practice. It was just, it was just crazy. I was, I actually gotten beat out of the corner. I was taking my guy to the net. He had beat me. He was in front of me. I gave him a little hook. He went down. I fell on top of him as he was getting up to kneel. His skate was on like a 45 degree angle. And I just fell right on top of it. And I had gotten so lucky. It was about an eighth inch of an uh, inch off of both. You get two jugular veins right down here. I was dead center. So it was just cosmetic. It was just stitches. Just got lucky. Man, that that injury to the, the arm though that that sounds nasty. That was that's that was it was a it was a ton of rehab. I I, I my ulnar nerve was cut, so this whole portion of my hand was completely completely numb. Hmm. So they they sewed they actually sewed my all of my ligaments together and my nerve, and the nerve re it reheals at about a millimeter a day. So it takes a very, very long time for you to get, I still have weird feelings down here, uh, but it, it takes a long time for it to heal. So a lot of the strength and getting all that stuff back 
And uh, I redid it, and uh, I actually I, I strengthened so much that I went back the following year for physical testing and actually won all the events for physical testing after that. Now, Tanner, his legend, the legend of Art Feminella is so big in this town mm -hmm. that if we told people that he he was out there for the next shift and he played the rest of the game with, 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 with a cut open wrist, people here in Sioux City would believe that. Oh, yeah. they, they, would, they would expect <laughs> that from Art Feminella. They'd be like, oh, that's Art. Yeah, uh, totally. Bill Bratsky. Yeah, you know, that, that's, 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 that's kind of that's le the legend. Well, you, you're still a living legend here, Art, and still a fan favorite, and largely because of uh, your ability, your lack of fear to drop the gloves. And I was looking over some of the stats, what have you. Penalty minutes, I'm sure, stood out for a lot of people who do look at it. And uh, I, I'm just curious, at what point did you realize that's where you were most effective as a hockey player, dropping the gloves, being a physical presence. Was it during your time in Sioux City? Did you know it from an early age? Well, I, um, I, that's a, it's a good question. Uh, I, I knew, I knew some kind of question about that was going to come up. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I, I think I'll hit it like this. I, um, when you, when you start out as I did, I, I went to Team USA first and I was, uh, so it's a little bit of a different story. Everybody's a rookie. Everybody's 16 years old. So you're playing against 19, 20, 21 year olds at a 16 years of age. It's not only a very big mental gap, but there's a very big physical gap of development of a, of a 21 year old man and a 16 year old boy. And, you know, when you're, uh, when you're six foot six at 16 and somebody's got to do it. Uh, I didn't want to do it. Um, I never, well, listen, let's just get into it. I never wanted to do it. Um, I needed, it needed to be done and I was good at it. How about that? Uh, it needed to be done and I was good at it. I, I didn't, um, it took me months. To, to drop their gloves for my first time to moving at moving you know away from home at 16 going to a, you know living with a strange family and then going to high school out there and um you know all these these kids are just like me they're just smaller and um we're all so young and uh, you know it, it just happens and you you just have to you get into the first one and you do it and uh and, and, and you know it, it happens and it's just um you know, the hardest part of it, about me for fighting was not really in the in the moments when you do it. It was the anticipation of it. It's the day before. It's the two days before when you're losing sleep or you know uh, that you've got to, you know, you're checking the roster and the injury reports and see who's in and who's out. And you know what has to be done at certain points and um, you just have to do it. So I, uh, at USA, it was it was very tough for me to start, but once I... You know, and, and plus they have a boxing instructor there. I was, um, there was a Golden Gloves winner that I used to train with every single Wednesday. We would have boxing. Not only would I do my, my heavyweights of the boxing with all my, my, my teammates, um, if, if Rico had a fight the next weekend, I would help him prepare. And uh, did I want to help him prepare? Hell no. No, I didn't. It, it, it was scary. This guy was. He was six foot three, two twenty, black guy from Michigan. He was a jail guard in Detroit. I mean, this guy was like a—he was a bad dude. And uh, you know, you start getting some shots in on Rico. Rico gets upset, and and he starts to go back at you. And it, you know, it, it being again, you just got to remember, it's 
you're 16 years old. It's not, uh, I'm just wearing this costume, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so I learned a lot from that hitting the mitts. I learned a lot from the boxing. My second year at USA, I had a reputation. Uh, so I, I could control things a little bit more. Even after that, I came into Sioux city with a much bigger reputation. Uh, it was Sioux city first year was a little bit of a wild west. It was uh, it was the wild Midwest. We'll put it that way. It was, it, it, I mean, it was we were not good. Okay, we we did we had a tough year. We were going in on the road, losing by three goals. Uh, it was it, we weren't great. We were a blue collar, hardworking team, and we had to scrounge for every W we got. And there was a lot of fights. It was a lot of fights. I remember going and like I think I, I think in Lincoln. I probably played like 14 games in Lincoln my whole, or was supposed to play 14 games in Lincoln. I think I've only ever finished like five games out of the, all those games. <laughs> I was either suspended or, or hurt or got thrown out or fuck my, oh, sorry. My parents even got thrown out of Lincoln one time. After oh, I got, oh, okay. Tell us that story. So I, 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 it was, it was a, a some kind of line brawl and, and they, they threw guys off the ice. I went into the, into the locker room and I, I my dad thought I hurt my wrist he saw me holding my glove so he he tried to come down to see if I was okay see if I needed the doc because everybody was still on the ice so he comes down and the security guards over there are like you know they're, they're like uh, the knighted men for the night you know they're like uh Marty they, 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 yeah they think they're hot shots over there so like you know the this guy thought it was like the uh the 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 talk shows in the nineties, you know, he was going to come up and uh, defend, you know, my father from going down. It was like, just crazy. And uh, so my, my dad kept on trying to go down and he wound up booting him out and uh, he found a cop outside. He's like, these guys inside doing these security. They're like, they, they think who they are. He's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll get you back in. So he got me and my mom or uh, him and my mom back in. But so it was just crazy. Like every time we play there, it was always something. It was always something. Uh, but it was great. That was probably my, my favorite place to play. Uh, I think a lot of guys would say that. Just Lincoln's atmosphere was second to none. You know, I wanted to keep going a little bit farther with that on you. Please. But, so, yeah, I'll make this uh, kind of a two-part question because I'm curious, and I just do so in the interest of time. Um, your yeah. best Dave Siciliano story, and is there a more memorable fight? Anybody that, uh, that stands out to you, you ever drop the gloves with? Sure. Um, Dave Siciliano, I tell you what, uh, looking back, I mean, you, you know, I, I'll say this, you never know. It's, it's funny. Guys that come to Sioux City are on their way someplace, right? They're on their way someplace and it's a, it's a, it's a stepping stone and they need, they're trying to get to college. They're trying to get to the pros or do whatever they're trying to do. And they really, I think, should stop and appreciate where they are now. Um, because it's just, you're gonna lose that. And it's just, it's so important to be there in that those three years in Sioux City, gosh, if I could go back, um, I would. If I could pick a couple of years, those would be the years. And, and in the mindset that I was there, you know, you're always thinking about like getting the scholarship or going to bigger and better things. And um, anyway, 
Uh, so Dave Cicliano's story, um, man, I, I, you know, the there, there's, it's tough to put it on just one, uh, but he was just such a good, um, he was a really good judge of character and he knew how to handle different guys. Um, you know, young guys, young players, especially are, are not, like cookie cutter players like they are, they get to be when they go to the pros, it's more of a meat market. It's more of a, listen, just shut up and do what you're told, do what you got to do. Um, you know, some of these kids are young. Some of these underagers are what? What's the underage limit? 16. Yeah. So like, you know, you're 16 years. I think it actually used to be younger than that. Tyler, I think was 15 when he was yeah, you on. Could, you, you, yeah. You used to be able to be 15 years old. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, young they're kids you know like um you know and, and just being able to deal with a guy like me on the team who's 20 and leaving in a month and and a guy that's fifth, barely 15 and being able to work with those two players on the same it, that's a very it's very different it's a much greater range than you need to deal with if you're a college coach or you're a professional coach which is a more succinct set of players it's an older set of players, more mature set of players. If you're dealing in this range of junior, you've got, uh, you've got a bigger gamut. So I would say that uh, one of his best things was his prediction before the final game. Um, he thought, uh, we're going to go behind. We're going to tie it up in the third. We're going to go into the overtime. We're going to win it in overtime. And that's, he knew like that was the Sioux city is, you know, they we were not going to waltz in there and win that game three nothing it just wasn't going to happen it wasn't that kind of a night we weren't that kind of a team and um but we could rally and we could we could if we were tasked we could we could rise to the challenge so that was the i think the great thing that that he could see um in us that i think nobody else could have seen um uh, as as for most mo uh, most um, interesting fight or you know something that really stands out, I would have to say um, I'd probably say Jake Taylor uh, for two reasons. One, he's a very strong, big kid, um, and two, he's a freaking lefty man. That's like the worst. It's just the worst. It's like. You, you grab off and you you get hit with two before you even think about throwing. And it's just, you're going to take it. You're going to take it right away. And you just got to either switch up or keep going harder. And if you can't go harder, you're going to have to switch off. And it's just, that just sucks. You don't want to have to go into a situation like that, having to plan for an audible. That's, I guess, the most, you don't want to have to do that. It's it's like Mike Tyson said. Everybody's got a plan until you get hit. Oh, I I just said that the other day. I was you know with all of this unrest and all this civil stuff going on in the streets. It's like you know everybody's so tough, right? Everybody's really tough. They got their plan. Their, yeah, man, things change so quick. You get a good shot in the face, man. It's like whoa, <laughs> ooh, let's let's talk this out. You know, where the the other options start flowing onto the table real quick. So. God, if I if I didn't get lucky and picking the 
the the funnel of the old auditorium as a as a place to to showcase my defensive abilities. I mean, I, I it, it couldn't have been more than 70, 50 feet. I mean, I don't know what it was, but it was so. If I had my arms outstretched with my stick, I mean, I could cover like half the half the span. I mean, it was so such a small rink. Um, I mean, you could shoot. You could take a a ripper from sla, uh, from center ice and have like a grade B scoring opportunity. It was like that close. It was there was no neutral zone. You were either strictly on offense or on defense, and it was it was that was. And the other thing that was great about that rink is not only was it was it so thin and it just funneled everything into you. This was still in the time of clutch and grab. I mean, this game that you guys watch now is very different than yeah. when I was playing in that rink. I mean, I could do stuff in those games that you haven't seen in 10 years, yeah. you know, and, and you, you, you get called on it, right? You know, once they got rid of that red line and stretched out, which was great. I loved it in college. It was, it was, it was a great thing. Uh, but you know, that clutch and grab was, was over. And, uh, you know, in a small rink like Sioux city and you have 20 feet, worth of glass it was you remember the glass was huge i mean it was just great the glass would go like two feet in and out it was just the big hits were like uh magnet you know magnified for the crowd it was just the greatest uh you didn't want to get down by two goals in that rank you just didn't want to get down because i i would imagine as a as a as a team coming into that barn because it was just it was just like this. I mean, gosh, I, I remember seeing one guy fell from the top of the part of the stairs. The stairs are so steep. I think it was like a <laughs> foot of rise for like a six-inch six uh, stair tread. I mean, and it was like straight down, and this guy tumbled, and, and popcorn was just going out. It was just like, oh, my God. It's just dangerous, you know, dangerous place. And the funny part about it, too, is, our, is Dave knew that, and he built his teams – with that, the big defensemen, like you're saying, you know, they have big defensemen, big tall, and they had these small forwards that could skate around. I mean, you look at that championship team, that's kind of the way it was built. It was built for that auditorium. Yeah. I mean, you got the range of size from me to Brad Zankanero on the team is just Brad Zankanero is like five, four on a good day. I, he'll yell at me if he sees this, but yeah. Um, you know, he, 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 he it was just it was a, it was it was a, it was a great it was one of the best places uh when it was packed um it was one of the the greatest places to play it was really something uh i i would imagine that at at the height of our uh prowess and at the height of our intimidation of teams uh i could just imagine dreading coming into our building and real quickly you guys won I mean, once you guys get to the playoffs and play like a team like Sioux Falls that was built more for skill, that was that was kind of one of those deals where you guys really did win games by intimidation and just by physical play, which could never you couldn't do that now. Back then, right. you could exactly, exactly. And and we, you know, we knew that if we set the tone at a certain at a certain level, um, you know, it, it wasn't just me. I mean, there's guys on the team like John Zyler. Mm -hmm. I mean. Johnny Zyler would go in and, and, and make a hit. He used to make hits that were open ice and just boom. I mean, like we had a big, 
it wasn't just fighting. I mean, we finished checks. We did, you know, reverse back checks. We did, you know, we, every single time you got rid of the puck, you were going to pay the price anyway. And that was the mentality that we always took. And guys just didn't want to, the pretty guys in Sioux Falls didn't want to play with that. They didn't want to mess with that. And I don't blame them. I did, you know, listen, it was, uh, we, 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 we knew what we could do and, and, and we did it well. I mean, you, you know, you had other guys like BJ Greaves too. I mean, honestly, uh, I wouldn't, I, I'd, I'd rather fight BJ Greaves or fight me than BJ Greaves. Uh, guys thought that they were dodging a bullet by, you know, uh, going, you know, not going after him, or not going after me and going, it's not that way. You got it worse off. I mean, it was just, it wasn't, um, there wasn't a shortage of, people that were ready to be physical with their gloves on and there was no shortage of people that were ready to be physical with their gloves off so it was it was just a great combination are uh one of those pretty boys from sioux falls would that include thomas vanick on route to the clark cup that year oh my god i that series i was tasked with uh basically trying to shadow him which was difficult i mean he's a great skater great player uh, but the easy part for him is that for me was that he was kind of lazy and if he didn't have stuff going his way, which I could very easily make him upset, uh, he would, he'd shut down a little bit. And as long as he kept on him and kept in his ear, he'd be nothing. I think he only, how many points did he have in that series? Well, not very many. I don't think he, he might not had any, he might only had three shots on that. I mean, yeah. it was, we, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, so yeah, he was absolutely uh, one of those guys. And it was, you know, guys like that, you get in their kitchen, it's, it's, it's over if they're not a hard worker. Yeah. You know, uh, interesting stat about that year that I've never had before. Um, me and Justin Fletcher, the, the partnership that we had, um, it took, we did not, me and him did not get scored on during even strength play until Christmas. Hmm. Really? That's, yeah. That's your stat of the day right there. That was, that was insane. Like it really, it, 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 you know, a couple PK goals, but, uh, and I wasn't a power play guy, uh, but it was, it was, uh, you know, it, that's, that's how good that team was. And, you know, when you have goaltenders like Chris Mayot and Andy Frank, it's that's that was it was good it was and, really good and that series with Sioux Falls really changed when you and Ted dropped the gloves with Cody Blanchin in Sioux Falls and bloodied him he was kind of their last guy that had any chance to rough it up and you erased any doubt there with that fight I didn't see that coming I I that's that's one of the fights that's on our uh our, our video uh that for the that year I did not see that coming at all. I remember that fight. I remember skating up the ice after uh, we had dumped it in. I was, I went to the front of the net, but I wasn't looking for anything. He came, he came right up to me and was, was, you know, uh, inviting me. So, uh, and, and, and we went, but I, and I, you know, some of those, you just don't see them come. Some of them you see a mile away, right? Yeah. Some of them, you know, days before, but that one, I, I, that was left field. You know, funny about that, I I actually wound up playing with him in the pros in Augusta. Super nice guy, um, really nice kid. Uh, him and uh, 
there was uh, another kid from, I can't remember his name, but another kid from, uh, from Waterloo, uh, one of the troublemakers from Waterloo at the time, was also on my team. And he said that uh, after he fought me, he, he, uh, he saw the article in the news the next day of the picture and he, he, he cut it out and he sent it to his father and hung it on his wall for a little bit. And it was like, oh, I you know, took on the Giants or whatever. <laughs> and I got a good kick out of that. We had a good laugh and we were down in Augusta. Did you bring so, it up to Blanchin? Did, did, did he oh, I mean, remember? Listen, I mean, I, you, you're gonna, it's not like you see the guy, he sees you. The last time you saw each other, it wasn't so good. I mean, you know, it's not like, oh, wow, I don't know who this is. Like, what's your name again? I don't, you know, exactly who the guy is. You know, exactly what the, you know, it's just like, oh, man, how you doing? It's, 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 it's fun. It's, it's uh, you know, it, 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 was, it was a fun conversation. Great, great kid. I tell you what, um, I want to ask you about what you remember from uh, from Sioux City because it's changed quite a bit since uh, since you were here last. But what do you remember? Did you have a favorite place to go out, go eat, go hang out, or be social? You got four streets though, or what? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember. I remember. Uh, well, listen. I mean, we were uh, you know underage back then, so it was. Uh, I actually I came back the summer after I turned twenty one. Um, I was actually uh, getting a, a dog. Uh, my housing family had bred uh, uh, purebred uh, black labs. And the, the end of my tenure, I'd wound up taking one home. Tragically, it ran away, got hit by a car. They uh, had another litter. I flew back out and was taking this puppy home with me. It's just, so, I got, so I got to legally go down to 4th Street and you know go into some of the bars and stuff like that. And uh, it, it was fun. Um, we, um, I used to go to Horizon a lot for breakfast. I don't know if that, that place is still Absolutely. around. Um, you know, listen, if you've got the most successful Perkins on the planet right next to the <laughs> rink, I mean, I, I probably ate there a bunch of times. I, 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 you know, it's interesting. One of the, you go in there and some of the, I was in there after, a, uh, I don't know, like some kind of concert, some kind of thing, you know, at the auditorium and, um, the uh, that old line from the the Metallica song of uh, you know is that a man or is that a woman? Some of these people coming in, they're like you know you see all kinds in that in that place, all you know all takers, all comers. It's it's, it's an interesting place. Um, I always used to you know marvel at how different uh, the Sioux City people were than where I grew up, and and in a good way. It was you know. New Jersey is like where the, the weak are killed and eaten, you know, on the highway. It's like, you know, it's very cutthroat. It's very, um, you know, you, you drive for 15 minutes on the highway and you understand. It, it's just a different place. And, you know, people out there are very warm. They're very nice. They're very, um, very quick to help. And, um, you know, the people out there were just always so good to me and my family. And um, I really... Uh, I will always have a special place in my heart for Sioux City because uh, it was just a, it was the time of my life, and uh, you know you, you you don't know it until uh, you're looking back. Uh, we're getting down to the last couple of questions here, Art. Sure. Take us through what that series with Omaha was like. Is the last time the Muskies raised the Clark Cup? You're the ones that did it. Um, how special was that run? And just take us through the emotional roller coaster, the physical roller coaster, and and getting that done and what that meant and what it means now to you still. Uh, yeah, that was something else. I mean, we had, uh, we had, we had, um, I think we had two sisters that year that passed away. 
I think we had Chris, uh, Chris Mayotte, Matt Ciancio, one from car accident, one from cancer. Um, Ciancio is at Christmas, uh, Mayotte's during playoffs. I think if I remember correctly that Chris actually had to go home and miss a game uh, because he was going to go say goodbye to his sister. I mean, just real, uh, it was just tough stuff that year. Also, you know, uh, not to mention that was the year September 11th happened that season. We were in the Buck Bowl. Uh, so I remember waking up in Sioux City and, um, and having my parents, you know, call me and, uh, and have me turn on the TV. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And uh, my father was actually on his way into the city that day. And he called my mom from the, the George Washington Bridge and said, I, I, there's traffic. I can't get into the city. My mom told him they shut down all the bridges and tunnels going to Manhattan. He said, that's not true. That's never happened before. They don't do that. But that was September 11th. So there's a lot of things that happened that year. So I think that, I think Chris, um, I don't remember exactly how it, how it happened, but I think like game two or game three, he had to go back. And uh, Andy Frank stood up for him and played, and uh, it was there was something like that uh, in that in in that series. But anyway, the you know there was a time I think we were up by two games. That's what it was. We, we I think we were up by two. Uh, we had one more game to. That's what it was. We had one more game to win, and we were coming back to the auditorium. We could have won it at the auditorium. And I remember before that game. It was just, you know, the 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 Clark Cup was in the building. It could have it could have come out that night. I remember just thinking, I, you know, how cool it would be to do it at home, but the feeling just wasn't there. I just, uh, you know, some of the other guys. Maybe if you ask them, it'd be interesting to see what they say. I, I didn't, you know, listen you know, you always hope for the best and everything. Did I think that we were going to win that night as a hundred percent? No, I couldn't say that. I couldn't say that. I, I, I think, uh, so, you know, that was a tough one and you could feel it that halfway third period, just slipping through and they got that other goal. It was just like, ah, man, I don't want to go over there to Omaha, but it looks like we're going to have to. And, um, that was tough. That week was tough. Um, knowing that you could have just done it, you lost it. And I don't even think it was a whole week. I think it was just a couple days, three or four days that we had in between. And then we were going there. And um, man, that, that, that bus trip beforehand, just loading up that bus. And, you know, I remember them playing the, the Jaws theme song in the video. And it's it very apropos. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was, I got hair, uh, you know, my, my, uh, hair on the back of my neck just standing up just thinking about it I, I uh it, it, we were we knew we knew that we could be the ultimate troublemaker you know we knew that we had the ability to do that we knew that we had the ability to you know just give the proverbial middle finger to them after the like that was the kind of team that we were um you know, even our even our playoff shirt said, "Don't mean a thing till you got the ring." You know, it it, it, it was just like 
this was just nothing. It meant nothing. We we had gone so far. It was so great for Sioux City to go so far. We hadn't gone that far in years. But it would just mean nothing if we just didn't come back with hardware. And it, it um, going into that game was uh, every every single shift was like you you felt like uh, I, like kind of like lightning was in your body and just you know everything you felt the pressure you felt the especially probably you know my job of being more of a defensive guy I, I can't even imagine what it was like for you know guys like Brandon or Schwartz and 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 Zank and um, John Zyler and 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 Sionce, you know, some of these guys that put up a lot of points and were probably expected to put up a lot of points for that game and um, just going into that that's a lot and um I just remember all of the weight being on every shift and every, you know, not taking penalties and, and being aware of that. And, and, and uh, man, um, I, I will say this. I will say this. Once we got that shorty, everything changed. Everything changed. We got that shorthand goal and it was, it was, we could, we could now, we could now see it. And it, 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 it went into the overtime and we felt it more. And then we went into overtime. We felt it more in the first couple of shifts. Like we knew that at that point we had experienced the best that they had had to give. And we knew that we still had a little left in the tank and, and we put it forward and, 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 it, and it went in. And um, man, that was, the first, I, I, I'll never forget, I was on the bench for, for when Garris scored, and I knew where my parents were in the stands, and it was, it was weird. Omaha, you could only see the rink and the, the, the old crowd. You couldn't see it. It was also very dark in the crowd area. The puck would go up above the glass and it would disappear because the, the, the ice was so white, but the, uh, the, the crowds, were, they just kept them very dark. And I remember I went straight over. I jumped onto the dasher. My my skates on the dasher, and I was over the glass. And I was I was I have a picture at my house in my room of my arm going over the glass, and you can see my father's arm right here. And it's just you, you can't even see him. You can just see the arm. And uh, I was crying, man. And uh, it was it was it was just it was so fantastic it was uh oh man such a great great moment um we had just you know like i was saying like september 11th you know we've never even seen anything like this in our country before you know these these two kids lost their their family members and uh and then you know the greatest thing they were uh they were setting up fireworks on the rafters to go off after uh, after the game because they were up by two goals with five minutes left, and um, setting up the fireworks. I remember that, and uh, that was the last the last game they ever played there, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I tell you what, Art, that was incredible stuff, and we could do this all day, and uh, we're we're gonna have to do this again sometime. But thank you for being our inaugural guest and for taking the yeah, time absolutely. and uh, talking with us. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Art Feminella, once again, the inaugural guest on Musketeer Made, the official podcast of the Sioux City Musketeers. Back on again next week with another episode.
For Travis Morgan, I'm Jan Hoops. We'll see you next week.